Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. It's great to be with you this morning. Welcome to Hope Church. If you're with us for the first time and I have not yet met you, my name is Pastor Josh. My wife, Brienne, and I are just so pleased and honored to be the pastors of Hope Church. Um, If you're here with us today for the first time, we want to say welcome. Thank you for being with us today. It's really an honor to have you here with us. There's a lot of places you could be. There's a lot of other things that you could be doing, but you chose to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and so we're thankful for that. And uh, you, you have come on a very special day if you're here with us today. Um, those who, are, who attend here regularly and call Hope Church their home, you may notice there's a few additional new signs in here and some new banners and such. Today, we've been talking about this day for, for several weeks now, since, really since the turn of the year. Uh, this is our Vision Sunday. What is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday is the day that we get to talk about and tell you and share with you as a church all the great things that we're focused on this year as a ministry. We get to talk about all the stuff that God is leading us into, and it's probably one of my favorite Sundays of the whole year. Uh, If you've been with us uh, for for any length of time, you know that we do a Vision Sunday just the first February of every month, or no, the first Sunday of February of every year. And so this is like the fourth or fifth or sixth time that we've done this. And, uh, and I'm so excited. I start preparing for this Sunday in August of last year. So I start praying and talking to the Lord at the end of the summer each year. Lord, what is it that you want us to focus on as a church and as a ministry? So if you're with us today for the first time, you picked a great day to be here. So good job. Congratulations on you for being smart. All right. So a uh, couple things, and then I'll jump into my message today. I have one for you that I think you're going to like. Um, what did the gentleman say when it, Frankie's already laughing? I haven't even gotten to the punchline yet, man. What did the gentleman say when he woke up from his LASIK eye surgery only to find out that his wife Lorraine had left him for another man? He said, I can see clearly now Lorraine is gone. <clears throat> That's good. Here it is. I can see all the obstacles in my way. All right. How dare you? Who does he think he is telling jokes in church? All right. I knew that I would get a laugh at least out of Gracie, so that's... Yes. Everybody can relax and take a deep breath now. Amen. I would like for you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to Proverbs chapter 29. I am going to talk to you about vision and share with you why I think it's so important and get into the specifics. So if you'll give me your attention for about 35 minutes today, we'll have a great time. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. It's going to be our main verse for today, and we'll dive into 
why this is so important. Can we pray together real quickly before we enter into what we want to talk about today? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Once again, Father, we've said it so often and so many times this morning how grateful we are to just be your children, to be a part of your family. God, I'm asking that today as I share the vision for this year that you would speak through me today. Lord, that as people hear my voice, that they wouldn't hear me, but that they would hear you speaking to their hearts through what I say. Father, it's just a privilege and an honor to to communicate your word to your people this morning. So I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us clarity of heart and thought and mind that as we dive into your word, Lord, that it would just become so clear. Father, we pray that you would grow us up and stretch us and expand our hearts today. Minister your encouragement and your peace to us today. We give you the praise for these things in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. 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 So Proverbs chapter 28 or excuse me, 29, verse 18. It's, um, it's one of my favorite verses, and it's also probably the most common verse in Scripture that talks about vision. That anytime you're talking about vision, mostly people will quote this verse, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps to the law is happy. I like the way that it reads in a couple other translations. I'm going to read it for you from the Message Bible. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I like that, most blessed. It sounds very sophisticated, doesn't it? When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I think there's a principle in this that we can see right away. That where there is no vision, where there is no perspective on the future, where there is no target that we're all aiming at together, when, when there isn't a, 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 a vision and an image of a preferred future, people perish. I, I, somebody asked me one time, as a matter of fact, it was just... Recently, I was, I was in uh, Virginia this past week, and the, on Friday, I was leading a, a group of, of city employees, the city of Danville, Virginia, and I was leading them on Friday through an exercise to help them determine their vision statement for their community. And so I was talking to them about vision, and I was asked, what is vision? And I said, it's very simple. Vision is a, a, a mental or spiritual picture of a preferred future. It's a, it, it's, it's a picture, it's an image of a preferred future, where you're going and what it's going to be like when you get there. It's like, uh, how many of you have ever taken a vacation to Disney World? Just a couple of you, okay. Y'all need to get out more, okay? I'm just going to tell you. I grew, I grew up in Southwest Florida, so I grew up going to Disney World a lot. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you take a vacation like that, uh, you get excited the morning of. Why? Because you're anticipating what it's going to be like when you get to Disney World. You're thinking about the rides. You're thinking about Mickey Mouse. You're thinking about all the fun stuff that goes with it. 
Nobody's thinking about how hot it's going to be or how long you're going to stand in line or any of, that, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But no, you're excited. Why? Because we have a vision. We're going somewhere. And when we get there, I have already in my mind what it's going to be like when I get there. And that causes excitement and it stirs you up and you get encouraged and you go, this is going to be great. Well, the Bible says that when that is absent, people perish. When there's no vision, when there's no ability to see where we're going and what we're moving toward, people perish. The word perish in the Hebrew means to become spoiled, like milk that's left out on the counter for a month. It just goes bad. It's not useful. You can't do anything with it. It's not, it's not what it was intended to be used for anymore. And the Bible tells us that when there's no vision, that happens to people. Ugh. I don't know about you. I don't want to perish. Anybody in here, show of hands? Yeah, I want to perish. No, of course. Nobody wants to. We don't want to end up like that, do we? If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. They perish. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Listen to it in the amplified version. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. You see, when God gives you a vision for your life, for your family, for your church, for your community, there's, there's a desire in his heart for you to reach that expected end, that vision. And when you get there, you're blessed happy, fortunate, and enviable. I like this, this part that I have highlighted here, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. You see, a real and true vision is a redemptive revelation of God. What does a healthy church vision look like? It's a vision that communicates a redemptive revelation of God. What is the revelation that you have of God? What is it that you, what is your understanding of God? Do you, do, you, do you understand him to be a good God? Or do you understand him to be a vengeful God? What is, what is, the, what is the revelation that you have of God? Is it redemptive? I mean, if you look around in the world today, if you were to poll all the people that you work with and ask them, who do they believe God to be? You know, Jesus asked the disciples that one time. He said, who do men say that I am? You'd get a thousand different answers. And I'm here to tell you that in most cases, the answers wouldn't be positive. Most people think of God as an angry, old, frustrated man in heaven just waiting to squish you when you do something bad. How many of you have lived long enough to know that's not the God that we serve? Amen. Amen. He's redemptive. He loves you. He's faithful. He's true. He's reliable. What does a good church vision look like? It's a vision that communi communicates God as the Redeemer, as the Savior, as the lifeline and the lifeboat. About thousands of people in our community, many of whom at some time in their lives walked away from Jesus, what do you suppose they're revelation of the Lord is. 
Is the vision that they are seeing of God redemptive? Is it hopeful? Why is our church called Hope Church? Because we carry hope for the world. If, if, if you have Jesus living on the inside of you, you carry the hope of the world everywhere you go. I mean, when you're at the grocery store, you got Jesus living on the inside of you. Holy smokes. You got something to offer. It's true. So let's just, let's just stop for a second and take inventory of what we covered about a healthy church vision. And then I'll share with you the rest of what I want to say today. Number one, vision creates a picture of what God is doing. This redemptive idea of what God is doing in our church, in our community, amongst our families. Number two, this vision needs to show God as redemptive. And then number three, without vision, people spoil. They fall away. They fall by the wayside. Their lives end up in a bad place. So let me ask you this question. What is God doing at Hope Church? What does the redemptive vision look like for our church? What's the vision that we need to live first and communicate second so that our community doesn't perish? God has called us as a ministry to be here in Boone, North Carolina. We're called to impact this community. And I believe that if, that, that if we're doing a good job of that, that the name of Jesus will be publicized in this community and people will actually know who Jesus really is. So you see these signs and stuff. You see this hope for. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But what I'm going to share with you today about our church's vision represents a return to what God originally put in mine and Brianne's hearts when he called us to plant this church all the way back in 2008. Anybody remember 2008? <laughs> Feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Some of you weren't even born yet. <laughs> you know, I used to hear people make those kind of statements, and now that I'm old enough to actually make them, Feels a little different. Some of you weren't even born in 2008. Ay, ay, ay. That's wild. No, the Lord called us when we were still living in Southwest Florida, called us to, to move to this community and plant a church and, and start something that would have an impact in our community. And, and what I want to talk to you about, these three tenets that you see, strong families, transformation, our community, those things were dropped in our hearts 15 years ago. And, and as I began to pray last year about, Lord, what is our vision? You know, you know me. I always try to encapsulate it in a statement that everybody can remember. Anybody remember what 2022's vision was? Okay, yeah. Good job, guys. All right. What was it? Moved with compassion. You're my mom. You don't count. You don't, it's... <laughs> Moved with compassion was our statement last year. So you know me. I like to try to bundle it and make it memorable, but... As I was praying about it, the Lord kept drawing me back over and over and over. Remember the first thing I told you. Remember what it was that I, that, that I put in your heart that caused your heart to start to burn for this community. Remember what it was. And so I did. I, I went back and I, I looked at my old notes from 2008. And I, re, I remember the night when God spoke to me and woke me up in the middle of the night and said the word strong families. 
And I remember the time when I was just not too long after that, when I was praying in my, in my office at that time and just seeking the Lord and asking him for wisdom about how to start a church. I'd never started a church before. I didn't know how to do that. And so I was like, what do I do, Lord? And I'm praying. And he starts to talk to me about bringing people into transformation, transforming their lives. And then as time went on and we actually started the church, we started to realize and understand how important community actually is to the health, not just of a church, but to the health of people. People need community. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. So three components of our vision. And, and, and because the Lord draw, drew me back over and over again while I was praying last year, we're going to push into these three things with fervor this year and beyond. So what, what these three things that I'm talking to you about this morning, they're not just for 2023. It's not just vision for this year. It's vision for this year and next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. Three areas of focus are as follows. Strong families. I mentioned that was the first thing God ever spoke to my heart about this church. Talking about marriages, talking about kids, talking about young people, talking about this this idea of us being a part of something bigger than us called a family. Second is transformation. That that refers to people coming out of just dead religious experience and into the real tangible presence of God where they can be transformed. I believe that if you get in God's presence long enough, you'll be changed. Amen? Can I have a good amen on that one? Yes, indeed. And then number three, our community. This is one of the things that has gone so missing in society. We were, people don't even talk to each other anymore. I don't know about you. I was, I was born in, in upstate New York and born to, uh, into a very Italian community. And I used to go stay, my sister and I would go stay at my mom's mom's house, my Nona. And she used to sit on her porch all the time. And everybody in the neighborhood knew everybody. And after you get done eating some glorious food that she prepared, then we'd go sit out on the porch and spend the rest of the evening, watch all the neighbors walk by. And it's, oh, there's Kumar. There's Lena from down the street. There's Arnie. There's Kumar Ernestine. Oh, hey, come va? You know, somebody would drop in unannounced and you would have some Sanka coffee. <laughs> Anybody remember Sanka? No, probably not. Maybe it was just an up north thing. I don't know. Drop in unannounced and you would have a little bit of coffee and you would spend time together. People knew their community. They knew their neighbors. They... Now everybody's so doggone transient. Nobody even talks to one another. Nobody even, we don't even have time for each other anymore. As I'm so busy, I gotta be, I'm sorry, I can't, I'd love to hang out, but I'm so busy. I gotta get here, I gotta get there, I gotta go everywhere. Community, we need to return to it. Amen. So hope for strong families, hope for transformation, hope for our community. Why the title Hope For? Because we carry the hope of the gospel to every generation in the world around us. Young, old, everywhere in between. 
We carry the hope of Christ Jesus. We carry the hope of the gospel, and that gives us hope for strong families. It gives us hope for transformation. It gives us hope for our community. We carry that, that expectation that God's got a good vision in store for us. So let me talk to you about these three things individually for just a few moments. Firstly, let's talk about hope for strong families. You see, I don't know if you can tell, that's Sophia, my daughter, in the background there. Claire walked in and she goes, oh, Buns is on the screen. We call her Buns. That's her little nickname. She goes, oh, look, Buns is on the screen. I said, yeah, there she is. She's going to think she's famous later today, y'all. This is going to be great. I can remember when Brianna and I were first married and and, you know, she's born and raised here in Boone, and, and so her family all lives here. And so we would come up for vacation. We were living in Florida, and, and we'd come, and, and I'll never forget the time when God allowed me to see the condition, the real true condition of families in our community. And the way that I've described it in times past is it was like on the surface and on the veneer, everything looks beautiful. Y'all know what I mean when I say veneer. On the surface, everything's great. But you peel that veneer back, and and underneath, things are rotting. And I remember, I'll never forget. In fact, it was we were visiting, and it was during the fall, and it was we were at a football game. We were at an ASU game, and we were tailgating in the in the parking lot, eating Bojangles chicken. And uh, you know. And it was during that time, I'll never forget, the Lord allowed me to see you peel the veneer back of, of like everybody's got it all together on the outside and we look like everything's good, but then you, you peel that veneer back and the marriage is in trouble. And the, and the kids are running around. Maybe they're messing around with drugs. Maybe they're sleeping around. Maybe they're, maybe they're screwing around with alcohol. The, the kids are on the, on the rails. And, 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 you know, the dad is so frustrated and stressed. He's trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And the, the mom is so frustrated. And they're not talking at home. And, it, and you just peel it back and you go, this is the real condition of family life. And I don't believe that that's just unique to North Carolina, but because this is where we were called, God allowed me to see it here. I believe that God has a redemptive plan and a redemptive vision for families in the high country. Can you say amen to that? It's the first thing I ever heard him say. We were, we were sleeping one night and all of a sudden I woke up and I just heard that in my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice. I'm not a weirdo. But I was just in bed and all of, a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden I heard that in my heart, strong families. And I, I'll never forget, I had to write it down. And I wrote it down. I want you to look at, at a verse of scripture from Genesis chapter 1. It's verses 26, 27, and 28. This is the very beginning, okay? Genesis 1, you can't go any farther back than that. And God is speaking in Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26. And watch what he says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created man in his image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female. Watch verse 28. 
Then God blessed them. Everybody say, blessed them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say, family. I find it very interesting that this verse indicates, and again, this is at the very beginning of the Garden of Eden. Can't go any farther back in Scripture. I find it very interesting that God blesses Adam and Eve by telling them to start a family. Isn't that interesting? Like that's God's blessing. It's, hey, start a family. I'm blessing you. Go ahead. Start a family. I find it so interesting that God put the whole creation, all the whole universe, the whole planet, God put it under Adam and Eve's management. And as soon as he put it under their management, he said, all right, here's how I want you to manage this world. Start having babies. Have a family and take over. Why is this? Because I believe that God's intention has always been that the institution of the family would be a major outlet through which the world would be blessed. I really believe that. I really believe that the institution of family is one of the main ways, one of the major ways that God wants his blessing to pour out to the world. Societies are built on the foundation of the family. In fact, there are, there's three significant institutions that God ordained in Scripture. There's, there's more of them, potentially, but there's three that stand out really strong. We know, we know the first one, that's the church, right? That was God's institution. We know the second one, that's government, right? That was God's idea. And then the third is family. But let me ask you, which one actually came first? Family. Before there was ever a church and before there was ever a government, in fact, long before, thousands of years before, God ordained a family. And his way of blessing that family was to say, be fruitful, multiply. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't have any kids. That's okay. You're still part of a family. You were a kid once. You were somebody's kid. Amen. So, Pastor, I'm not married. I don't have kids. That doesn't apply to me. Well, it kind of does because you were somebody's kid at some point, right? You're part of a family. God is so committed to family, as a matter of fact, that, that he says in Exodus chapter 3, he says, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. God is so committed to family that he introduces himself as father. Father of many, many generations. Today in society, the family as an institution is targeted. Y'all doing okay still? All right. In society, families have always been a target but I fully believe this. If we can heal the family, we can heal the community. Let me say that one more time for emphasis. If we can heal the family, we can heal the community. This is why we're launching marriage ministry in 2023 so that people can get their marriages restored. 
Not very many amens on that. Either your marriage is in trouble or it doesn't really matter to you. That's fine. No, according to Dr. Jimmy Evans, he's the founder of Marriage Today, he says the issue of marriage is the number one felt need in modern society around the world. People's marriages are in trouble and they know it, but they don't know what to do about it. The Bible has an answer. April 22nd of this year, we'll be doing our very first ever one-day marriage event right here. Uh, Coming in the month of February, we're doing couples and coffee. February. 26th, February 26th, we're doing couples and coffee. That's a chance for you if you have kids to get away from your kids, spend some time with your spouse and some, uh, some other married couples. We're also working on date night opportunities for parents who don't have childcare so that you can come and take your kids and drop them off and know that they're safe so that you can get away. This is why we're pouring lots more resources and finances into kids and youth ministry. I have a vision personally to have the best kids ministry within 100 miles of this place. Why? Because our kids are important and family matters to God. Let me keep going. I've taken a lot of time talking about the first point. I have to speed it up. Number two, hope for transformation. The Lord spoke to my heart, as I said, during a personal prayer time about bringing people out of dead religious experiences and into the real presence of God. You know that the presence of the Lord is the defining and differentiating characteristic of the church. It is the thing that makes us different from every other entity on the planet. You can go to a great restaurant, have a great meal, but they don't promise that you encounter the living God while you're eating your cheesesteak, right? You come to the church. The church is supposed to be... The tabernacle of God's presence is supposed to be the house of his presence. In fact, it's the one thing that makes us completely different from everything else and everybody else on the planet is his presence. I believe that spending time in God's presence can actually change you. I go, you know, I go, uh, most Mondays I go uh, down the road here to the care collective and, and, and I go use their sauna. They have a They have a traditional wood sauna, and it's magnificent. I love every second of it. And I go there. I'm usually by myself and on Mondays. And I I do that because I believe that when I get in that sauna, it's affecting me. So that when I leave, I feel different. I I believe it has an effect on my body, and it helps me. It's a very healthy thing to do, sweat out, you know. But I believe that being in that environment of heat in a sauna actually has an impact on my life. Now, let me ask you, if, if, if being in a sauna can make a difference on you physically, what can being in God's presence do for your spirit, for your soul, and for your body? I believe God's presence is the restorer of life. That's why we worship when we come here. That's why we sing songs and we lift our hands. It's it's not for show. We're not doing it for you. We're doing it for him. Come on. Why? Because we believe his presence is the thing that changes everything. Paul's primary concern with the Corinthians in their church is is that they be established on the word of God, but also the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, he says that, that, that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
We have a calling from God to help lead people into the presence of the Lord where they can be healed and restored and transformed. Amen? That's why we have hope for transformation. Because we're different than a country club. Amen? We are, man. We're different than that. I mean, God bless the good folks at the Elk Lodge or Moose Lodge or wherever, but that ain't us. We're different. We got the presence of God here, right? This is more than just coming to an event on Sunday mornings. We're here to meet with the living God. And I happen to believe that the word of God and the presence of God will fix any situation, no matter how bad it can be. That's why we're doubling down on hope and healing nights. We have four of them scheduled this year already. And I can tell you that four is the smallest number that we will ever have of hope and healing services at our church. In fact, in the years to come, I I intend to increase the frequency of those services substantially. We're going to bring the hurting and the broken into this place so that they can find the presence of God and be transformed. And we're going to take hope and healing out of the four walls of this church and take it into some of the toughest places in our community. Amen. Thirdly, let me talk, and I'll start to conclude here. I want to talk about hope for our community. We have hope for strong families, hope for transformation, and finally, hope for our community. By the way, these banners are going to be up all the time now, so just get used to seeing them. Hope for our community. I don't know if you've thought about this or given a whole lot of thought to it. I I have. The goodness of the gospel is not just for us. The goodness of the gospel is for our community and for the world around us. It's not just for us. Too many times we get uh, introspective and self-focused and we, we think that, the, that you know, coming to church is just for us. It's just this is our thing. No, the community needs to know about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Listen to Acts 2.42. This is super good. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Four things there. The apostles' doctrine, the fellowship. What is fellowship? That's just getting together, being together. The third thing was the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. That's a good kind of fear. And and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods. And they divided them among all as anyone had need. In other words, they just looked out for each other. And then says verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What is the writer of Acts? What is Luke, the guy who wrote Acts? What is he describing there? He's just describing the early church living in community and fellowship with one another. They met house to house, breaking bread and having prayer together. Who would have thought that eating dinner could be considered spiritual? Right? Amen. If you grew up like me, Italian, man, it's very much a spiritual experience. So 
Some people eat to live. Italians live to eat. I'll tell you what. Amen. (laughs) Who would have thought that taking time to just be together and invest in one? Listen, I'm not talking about church-sanctioned gatherings. I'm talking about what if we loved one another enough to prioritize just being together? What if we put our foot down and said, you know what, the busyness, busyness has got to stop. We got to spend time for each other. Listen, if you don't have time for one another, you're too busy. Amen. I was, I was traveling the past couple of weeks, so I was away from my family, and I, I, I got home. I called Brianne on Friday. I said, I'm coming home. I said, tomorrow morning, we're having breakfast together at the table. I'm going to get up and cook, and we're going to sit down and eat eggs together, and that's exactly what we did. Why? Because just being together is so important. Amen. You know, one of the things that we're returning to in this year is what I like to call robust and vibrant small groups. (laughs) Robust and vibrant small groups. COVID kind of put a dent in some of these things. But now, now that that's behind us, how many of you are glad COVID's behind us? Amen. Woo. We're bringing them back. We're bringing small groups back in full force this year because we need to be together because we need one another. I want you to understand that this conversation in, around community building is one that's been going on for quite some time in our leadership discussions. We're working on ways to, to just encourage and stimulate a sense of community in our church. Because it's so important. It's, it's, it's so much more important than to just bump into each other at church on Sunday morning. Yeah, I, I used to hate the state, the phrase, do life. Like, we're just going to do life together. I always thought it was so, so trendy. It used to irritate me. But it's really true, man. We got to do life together. We can't just do church together on Sunday. We need to do life together. Three out of five people in America report feeling lonely frequently. of young people ages 18 to 25 report as feeling lonely frequently. Loneliness is a problem in the world. It cannot be a problem in the church. The statistics for loneliness after the pandemic are the highest among young people and among single mothers. We have a responsibility to respond to that as the church. Can you say amen? Inside the church, people need to feel known and needed. And outside the church, people in our community need to know that they can count on us when they are in need. Otherwise, please catch this. I'm almost done. Otherwise, we become a church that exists only to serve its own interests. And I'm not willing to let us become that. So in conclusion, here are the goals that we have for this year. Because what's a vision without a good goal, right? It's just a pipe dream until we put some action behind it. Goals for 2023. Sunday attendance of 300 people or more. That means we're going to move to a second service. Amen. Because we're running out of space up here, if you can't tell. So we're going to have to expand in our operation. Secondly, marriage ministry. You heard me talk about it earlier. I, 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 listen, I don't want to see another marriage in my world 
end in divorce. In the place that I have influence and in the place that I have responsibility, as much as I am able to speak to it, as much as I am able to help, I don't want to watch more families get broken up. So marriage ministries, front and center. Hope and healing services and, and, and more evangelistic outreaches and services in the community. Places where we can help usher and bring people into the transforming presence of God. Robust small groups. I just love the word robust. <laughs> It's just totally my personality, y'all. It's just robust, man, yes. And then lastly, we've launched a building fund. We've launched a building fund. You say, why, Pastor? Are we going to get a building? Are we going to build a building? Are we going to move? Are we? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't gotten clarity from the Lord on that. But here's what I do know. Preparation time is never wasted. Preparation is never wasted. And I want to be, as a church, in a position that when God tells us, here's where I want you to go, here's what I want you to do, we're already prepared for it, because we've been preparing on purpose. So we launched a building fund, and I'm real excited about it. I want you to keep this stuff in mind, because I'm going to give you three calls to action as we close. Three calls to action. If you call Hope Church your home, here's what I want you to do. Number one, show up. Show up. It's quiet. (laughs) That is so funny to me. I get a lot of amens for other stuff, but then, you know, oh, it's awesome. God, I love what I do. Number one, call to action show up. What do I mean? Prioritize your life or prioritize church in your life. Why? Not just for the benefit of you. Not just so that you can feel good about yourself. A lot of times we try to convince people to come to church because, hey, you really need that Sunday morning shot in the arm. No, I want you to reframe this just a little bit. Prioritize church in your life because it's one of the few things that you do that actually has eternal significance. It's one of the few things that you do that actually outlives your life. It's got eternal significance. So prioritize it. Show up. Number two, don't show up alone. Invite the community, man. Invite the people. Listen, you work with somebody that needs Jesus. You, you live next door maybe to somebody who needs Jesus. Maybe they don't know the Lord. Or maybe they knew the Lord, but their, but their revelation of God isn't redemptive. Maybe they think God's an angry judge. Maybe you could show them Jesus as he really is this year. So number one, call to action is show up. Number two, don't show up alone. And number three, find a way to serve. Just find a way to serve. Find a way to serve what the Lord's doing in our church and in our community. I was talking to my pastor some time ago. And he said, he was telling me the, the story of, of people that they have in their church. It's a, it's a big giant church up in, up in, the nor- in New England in the Northeast. And, and he was telling me, he said, you know, he said, I've got people that come into my church from Boston. And he said, they, they, they run mega companies, multi-million dollar. They're high, high performance people. And they, you know, they're just big shots. He said, but they come to church. And he said, they tell me that the thing they look forward to the most in their week is helping out in the kids' ministry. It's opening a door and giving a, a hug to somebody as they walk in. It's standing out in the parking lot waving. 
with a sign saying, welcome. You see, you're never really satisfied in life until you learn the value of serving someone else. It is the ultimate way to keep your pride in check is to serve in God's kingdom. So I have three calls to action for you this, this week, and this is for, our whole, for the whole year. Just show up, man. Prioritize. And don't show up alone. Bring some people that need what you got. We'll get them saved. We'll preach the word to them, and God will meet them right where they're at. I promise you that. We, we got to do what we can do, and that's invite the community. God's going to do what only he can do, and that's penetrate their heart with his goodness. You don't have to worry about that part. Amen. And then number three, find a way to serve. Connect to a team. Find a way to bless the house of the Lord with your, with your service. Amen. Amen. What do you think of the vision? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.